Whole food workers go on strike during a crisis. ICU projections fall short again. Nancy Pelosi wants to oversee spending from the coronavirus bill. And America is too dependent on the global supply chain. We're going to get into all this and more. Welcome to America the Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Saladino. This is the weekly episodes. Every Saturday, we interview somebody from around the country. Now, let's get into this. Whole food workers hold a sick out demanding hazard pay during this pandemic. I want you guys to comment below or you can text me if you can't comment. If you think the whole food workers should be holding sick outs during times of crisis. We're going to get into the story right now. I tweeted out this. Whole food workers hold a sick out to demand double pay. This is not appropriate during time of crisis. People need food. With record high unemployment, they should be grateful they still have a job. I'm sure the millions of laid off Americans would love to take their place. They're, on a whole, right now, they're not in the position to uh, really ask and demand much, especially one, this is a global crisis. Um, people need to get their groceries. Uh, now's not the time to play these stupid, you know, liberal socialist games demanding more pay. Now is not the time for that. We need to all work together as people to 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 get through this, um, as well as you know, it's 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 we, we you you have no platform to stand on when you know ten million people the other week be, file for unemployment. You can easily be replaced. I'm sorry, your, your your work is essential to the fabric of society, but it's easily replaceable. There's a difference between essential and uh un- and hard to replace i guess so the whole food workers organized a national sick out protest on tuesday demanding that the grocery store give employees double their normal rate wages as hazard pay for working on the front lines during a pandemic the whole foods protest follows worker organized strike for better coronavirus protections at instacart the grocery serv- uh, delivery service and an Amazon warehouse in New York. Whole Foods is owned by Amazon, who is CEO Jeff Bezos is the richest person in the world. Uh, you, you see where they're going with this article. You know, he's rich, whatever. Uh, the, the, the we're demanding, there's one thing that I did support that they demanded. They wanted uh, better protections and um, for their working. They wanted, you know, more masks, more gloves, which I totally get. They should be getting those things. They should be complaining to get those things, and I'm sure that's something they can get relatively easy. Um, I, I do support them in that case where they're, they are working during the time of a pandemic, and they want their employer to be somewhat responsible for their safety, which, which I'm totally okay with. Uh, they should be provided the protective equipment and gear to do the, to do the job. But for them to demand higher pay, that is absolutely ridiculous. you got tens of millions of Americans currently out of work. I don't think it's tens of millions, but it's, it's got to be at least over 10 million out of work right now. Now is not the time to ask for double pay. Be happy you have a job. There are businesses, other employers going complete, that are might be completely going out of business depending on how this whole stimulus thing is going to turn out. This is going to be hard for a lot of people and for, for employees to demand double. That's just ridiculous. That is just ridiculous. we got to work together on this. You can't be selfish like that. You can't take advantage of a crisis 
uh, for there, there was another story of uh, there was like Pizza Hut. The workers were demanding that the Pizza Hut, I think it was Pizza Hut or Domino's, one of those chains, demanding that they close for 14 days. And all the employees just walked out. And the orders kept coming in and the tickets kept rolling in and everyone just pretty much protested on the spot, demanding. I, I, I don't remember exactly. They wanted to get, uh, you know, uh, 14 days off and they wanted full sick pay. So they wanted full pay with 14 days off before returning to work. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't consider those pizza places essential food products <laughs> like groceries, but still, people need to eat regardless, and that's one thing that people can eat, and it can you know alleviate you know the grocery stores if someone's ordering a pizza. And I was thinking that this owner could either close for fourteen days, lose fourteen days of business. Um, the people who need the food will lose 14 days worth of food and they have to go somewhere else, put more of a strain on it on another store or a different restaurant that's trying to uh, uphold the demand of, of people who need to eat. Um, he'll have to pay people and he'll lose money because he'll have to pay out the sick workers. Or he can just say, okay, um, you're all fired and put a note on the door saying, we're now hiring. If you had pizza experience, please come in. And in three days, you'll have a fully staffed uh, <laughs> restaurant uh, with all people ready to work that are probably already experienced because um, some other stores that do, do similar things probably close down. So you can easily hire a delivery person. That's, that's easy. You don't even need to train a delivery person. You can easily hire somebody. I'm sure at these at these chains, they probably have such an easy uh, system of um, you know making the pizza it's probably really laid out for them and very easy unlike a real pizzeria i mean i would i i wouldn't be caught dead eating at you know a pizza hut papa john's or domino's but actually i <laughs> i did eat at one i was traveling cross country and i had because uh, i'm a new yorker i uh, i was traveling cro cross country and i had to stop in the in literally the middle of the sticks in the middle of nowhere um, there was just a Pizza Hut and Carl's Jr. and the Carl's Jr. wasn't letting me walk through the drive-through because uh, my Tesla was charging and the charging and they wouldn't let me walk through. So I, I think I went into a Pizza Hut, and um, I mean, it was the best pizza I was gonna get out there. That's for sure. <laughs> Sorry for the little rant. So the projection from one week ago that there was gonna be fifty-six thousand hospitalizations, eleven thousand ICU beds used for April second. That was a projection that was predicted. The reality is only 13.4 thousand hospitalizations and 3.4 thousand beds used. I raised the question, did we overreact? And uh, this came from uh, Alex Berenson on Twitter, and it was um, a projection put out by the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation. I don't know how... Uh, credible this source is but it seems like they've been doing a lot of data and projections on the COVID-19 and um, this was accounting for I believe just New York um, there's 13.4 thousand hospitalized uh, 3.4 thousand ICU and there's actually 7.4 thousand patients uh, discharged um, yeah that was for New York and if you're if you're watching, you can see I put the graphs up. Somebody tweeted this out. Tom Goodwin actually tweeted this out. Uh, he's just some guy on Twitter that's verified. I don't know why, to be honest with you, but he put out a model showing the project projected versus actual, um, drawn in black, 
and it's it's it, this is for resource count. So this is including beds, ICUs, ventilators, all, all uh, the resources, the the, the most necessity uh, resources. And it's a scale. The projected amount of resources was from a low end fifty thousand all the way up to a hundred thousand, and the mid tier range would have peaked at around seventy five thousand in the mid tier. Uh, that would have been the peak. And it looks like we hit, we didn't even hit 15,000 worth of resources needed, which is a good thing because these projections were put out two, it was put out one week ago. If the model was put out one week ago, that was taking into account all the social distancing regulations and guidelines. If we fell this short, on these projection models, and I'm not saying this one was so influential. Um, someone commented below, how influential was this model? Um, somebody replies, this is the one Bricks and Fauci uh, touted during one of the updates earlier this week. So according to these random comments on Twitter, I mean, if you guys want to do extra vetting, uh, they, they said it was being used. Um, by the by the task force the original projection models and now we see that they fell short big time by probably three times shorter than expected now this raises the question how 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 much did we overreact based on the bad data and bad projection models because we got our initial data from china and we know that the China data and projection models are total bogus and total BS. So we're, we got this data from China, and we were under the assumption I, – I saw through the BS. I was following this since day one when impeachment was going on. I was following COVID-19, the data, everything. I was following it all. I'm, I'm probably overly researched because when you're following something in the data trends and the data lines for so long, um, you, you kind of get accustomed to how it's going to turn out. And I never trusted the, the data from China, but when it did enter into more trusted territories and countries, uh, there were some similarities that didn't make that data seem too out of the ordinary. Um, their data actually showed that it was more deadly and more infectious than it actually was. So that's what these projections based their data points off of, which based the, the policies to shut down our economy. So we could totally blame China, but at the same time, we also do need to blame the media and the Democrats for creating the hype that led to this. So Pelosi creates a new House committee with subpoena power for coronavirus oversight. This is really rich. I tweeted, so Nancy Pelosi said, the Congress has so far passed three pieces of legislation totaling over $2 trillion in emergency relief. To ensure that our tax dollars are being spent carefully and effectively, I'm now announcing a formal formation of a bipartisan House-selected committee on the coronavirus crisis. I tweeted this. This woman who included massive useless spending to corrupt interests, wants to make sure our dollars are carefully spent. I would trust a drink from Bill Cosby before I trust her with my money. Do you also agree with that sentiment? You can text me or comment below. Um, <laughs> so this is really rich. Coming from the woman, 
that this this is the last woman, the last person on earth you would want to trust with the, <laughs> the the financing, where the money's going, and how our tax dollars are being spent. Why? What? This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is is this a joke? Is this is this the Onion? So let's read what this says. House uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced. Thursday, she's creating a new House committee to oversee the coronavirus response that will have subpoena power to seek information from the Trump administration. It would have subpoena power, that's for sure. It's no use having a committee unless you have subpoena power, Pelosi said Thursday during a teleconference call with reporters. And we hope that there would be a cooperation because this is the kind of investigation. They, I mean, if they're going to do this investigation to see where the money's going, how it's being spent, and why it's over there, I'm pretty sure Pelosi and her goons will be sent to jail. We know this is going to be partisan. They they always say the Democrats, oh, we're going to do bipartisan, you know, whatever. It's going to be it's going to be partisan, and um, I, I'm really curious to see how this turns out. This is going to be a, a, an S show, that's for sure. Um, Rep. James, okay, the chair of the House Selected Committee Committee on the Coronavirus Crisis. The committee will be bipartisan, she said. Um, Pelosi committed to the new. Uh, this article is. I hate. I hate reading articles from mainstream media sources. And this one's from Fox News. I mean, they just repeat themselves over and over again. Um, yeah. So I guess that's about it. I mean, th- this is this woman. It it is it is crazy because we trust so much. Well, it's not that we trust. It's that we vote people into power. Well, the Democrats mostly vote people into power who have no business experience, who have no financial experience, who have they don't they don't have the country as a whole in in mind. And these are the people put in power to literally control billions to trillions of dollars in spending. And this is there's going to be you know stuff that you know two trillion dollar bill you know there there are people voting on that who have never opened up a business in their life who have never issued payroll to anybody. There are people who have zero experience with money and business voting on how two trillion dollars are going to be spent. That just sounds ridiculous to me. You you want people who have experience in small business. You want people who have experience in paying bills, who have experience in hardships uh, and getting over those and, and understanding the true nature of where this money is going and where it needs to go to hold the economy up. But you have people with little experience or no experience at all voting on these things, um, writing in these things to where the money's going to be going, and they have no experience or no clue at all. And that's what I just find ridiculous. You need to be careful who you vote for, Republican or Democrat. You need to be careful. You need to make sure you need to, per- you need to vet them out personally. I would vote for a shysty businessman over somebody like AOC any day because at least at least the shysty businessman would do things that are good for business. <laughs> AOC is just going to I don't know I don't know what her agenda is. She's going to be doing doing stuff that's best for corrupt interest groups or doing stuff that's best for the environment like her 10 trillion dollar plan for the environment. At least the shysty businessman will be a little bit more smarter about it. <laughs> AOC is just an idiot just throwing money around like it like it, like it just they, they they think that the government the the money just gets printed and sent out. You, there's no infinite supply of money. There's got to be money coming in and there's money coming out, and that needs to be sorted. That needs to be that, that problem needs to be solved. 
The thing that I'm worrying about the most is how is this going to affect us in the long run, spending trillions of dollars? In 10 years, is this going to come to bite us in the butt? If, if after Trump, are we going to have a socialist president and then spending is going to increase and then there's going to be this giant bubble that's going to pop because we're trillions and trillions of dollars in debt? Is there going to be a massive bubble happening, especially now? If, if, if the next president is socialist, we could be in a world of hurt because— because we, we, we just increased our spending to keep businesses afloat, and then you're going to have a socialist come in here, increase taxes, increase spending even more, and then businesses are going to start to hurt. And now, now you're messing up the cash flow, and now we have too much debt, and we're having too much money going out. These people, these socialists just don't know how to, they don't, they don't know how numbers work. They don't know how money works. They, too inexperienced. I mean, I feel like I'm repeating myself at this point. So Peter Navarro goes into what this crisis has taught us. Listen up. One of the uh, one of the uh, things that this crisis has taught us, sir, is that we are dangerously overdependent on a global supply chain. That is true. We are very dependent on this supply chain, and we're seeing the effects of that dependency in crisis for our medicines like penicillin, our medical supplies, like masks, and our medical equipment, like ventilators. We have right now, as we speak, over 50 countries have already imposed some forms of export restrictions in their country against the rest of the world. You see, now he's talking about how we're so dependent on the global supply chain for the ventilators, for the penicillin, for, for, the, for the medication. And now we're in, in, in the event of a crisis where we, we're going to need those things. And that's what makes it tough. This is why I don't—this I don't, this is a good argument against the globalism and the, and the global—I mean, there's some good things to it and there's some bad things. And this is one of the bad things. We definitely do need to become self-sufficient. Let's continue listening. And what, we've, what we're learning from that is that no matter how many treaties you have, no matter how many alliances, no matter how many phone calls, uh, when push comes to shove, you run the risk as a nation of not having what you need. And if there's any vindication of the president's buy American, secure borders, and a strong manufacturing base, philosophy, strategy, and belief, it is this crisis because it underscores everything that we see there hopefully also moving forward that now we we america like we we knew this but we never thought it was going to happen it's like one of those things it's like oh we're becoming too dependent we need to become less dependent and something that people know and people said it's like oh why do you need to okay something bad goes wrong you know we're not dependent we can keep ourselves afloat and then you kind of like think like yeah like nothing's really ever gonna happen but well it happened that, that's, that, 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 that's what people think all the time. Oh, nothing bad would ever happen to me. And then if something bad happens. So the Buy American Order, which, which is going through process, would do, do a couple things. It would simply say, not during this crisis, because we don't want to disrupt anything. I want to be really clear about that. But going forward, after this is over, the VA, DOD, HHS, and this government buys American for essential medicines our medical countermeasures and the medical supplies and equipment we need. At the same time, it will deregulate so we can get the FDA and EPA to facilitate domestic manufacturing and then innovate. Because the key here, the key here is having advanced manufacturing on U.S. soil that can leapfrog 
other countries so we don't have to worry about competing against cheap sweatshop labor, lax environmental regulations, different tax regimes. Uh, and This is good because he, he's basically saying that this is the solution because the reason why things are being sent overseas is because of X. You know, we, we got to fix those problems so this way it could all come here. And this is a good thing because Trump has been pushing for this and bringing everybody back here and keeping everything in the country. And um, yeah, and the massive subsidies of foreign governments who are actually directly attacking our industrial base. So be patient with that, sir. Uh, it's it. Yeah, I mean, the, our government is competing with other governments to keep business in. And this is the problem. Also, it's going to be a real problem with socialism is if we have a bad socialist president, you're going to see companies Get the heck out, because I guarantee you China will be like, come here, we won't even charge you any taxes, because they'll see that it would hurt America, and that's what they're going to want. And, you know, see, like, ugh. that's the thing, is if when you don't have a business mind, we don't have a business perspective, and you can't put yourself in the shoes of another businessman because you've never been in those shoes, that's when you make poor decisions, because if Bernie Sanders thinks he's going to come in and just be like, oh, that person's not paying taxes, and then make them pay taxes. Okay, that person's just going to leave. That person's just not going to pay your taxes. Like, why, why would Jeff Bezos pay all those taxes? Why would he, why would he want to pay $100 billion in taxes because of your socialism? He'll just send his money over there. He'll just send his investment over there. He'll incorporate in China and become a Chinese company if he wants to. Like, <laughs> like there are ways around. You got to think that these are the smartest people in the world, these billionaires, some of them. And... They'll figure out a way around it. You need to put yourself in those shoes. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you want, please text me any questions you have. 917-540-8768. I'll answer the questions at the end of my next episodes. I'm going to do a mailbag. But anyway, guys, if you're listening to Apple... Please give this five stars to combat the leftist trolls. And also, please share this podcast with your friends. I enjoy doing it. I have a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Hear you tomorrow.